Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Woodward Tigers here at woodwardsports.com. I'm Roy Hill. You can see alongside me is Chris Brown, John, and Uper. I'll introduce our guests here in a second. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartMedia, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we also want to thank our guest from earlier that we recorded just a few minutes ago with Mike Petriello. Petriello. MLB.com, the StatCast guy. Great interview with him. We talked for about 30 minutes. We talked a little bit about pop culture. We talked a lot about StatCast. And, uh, yeah, we, we went heavy into it. So thanks again to Mike for joining us. And that was a very fun conversation. So that will be part of this podcast. So it will be a two-parter. So our guest tonight is – so one of the things I wanted to do this year with the fact that here we are going to – in less than 50 days away, spring training. Things are going to get a little crazy – and we've had a couple people already. We've had people like Cameron, who have been really been awesome about coming on. So anyway, we wanted to do more listener panels. We wanted to have like a, a say into just having people come on and, and talk and, and talk some intelligent baseball. And Connor was with us last month, and he did some really he had some good questions, good points, and we ended up talking and communicating on DM and an email. And John's, like I said, John did a really good job with Cameron and we wanted to bring Connor aboard because he had some a really good topic we wanted to bring up because the Tigers still haven't done, it's been nothing. It's just been silence and it's weird right now with, you need a third baseman, you still need a, a kind of another power bat and, and the Tigers still haven't done anything. But so Connor came up with an idea about realistic trade ideas because Connor thinks the same way we do. We don't try to go, hey, well, if the Yankee, if the Mets sign Carlos Correa and that's official, then they should give us Escobar and a couple pitchers for Manning. That's it. And like, <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. So welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us this evening. Thank you guys. Awesome. Pleasure to be on here. All right. So one of the, oh, the couple of things I wanted to go over first is the, some of the signings that took place over the last couple of days. And it, it was again, that with kind of, eh, I, I I don't know. I, I don't know how to say it, but I know, Chris, when you saw the, the trade involving for Will Nevin's son, I'm drawing a blank on right now, yeah, Tyler, 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 in terms of Tyler Nevin, what was your first initial reaction? Yeah, nothing really. I mean, it was, it was a trade for cash considerations. He's a former first round or sandwich round pick that he had some prospect juice early on in his career, but then it became evident that he wasn't going to hit for enough power to profile really as a corner infielder or corner outfielder. And he's still hanging around. And it, to me, it was just, it's, it, it's basically in line with every other kind of move. Like every time the Tigers add somebody from waivers or send somebody, everybody's like, oh, Scott Harris is doing it again. And it's like, he is. Like this is the way he, he worked in San Francisco and the way he's going to work here is, is if they think somebody is a fraction better than what they have currently on the roster, they're going to go get them for the most part. I mean, they're, they're obviously you need to have, have fits. And basically what, what they have now, we talk about third base, they have like half a dozen options at third base. And that's not to mention like the three prospects they have at, at triple A, double A, and, and high A heading into next year for third base. So I, I think they're just giving themselves options. And it's like a survival of the fittest here. Like who's going to survive this this war to become the third baseman this year? But beyond that, yeah, I don't I don't think too much into it. He's uh, just just a fringe roster member. You bro, what about you? Yeah, you know, Chris, what Chris said reminded me that the old saying, people will say, I've been married for 15 years and five of them were good. <laughs> the Tigers have the Tigers have six third base options and maybe one of them might be good. That's what they're hoping for. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's, we've talked about this in the past. 
as you're trying to troll the market, what's available, taking guys off the scrap heap, are they one or two percent better than the guy you're getting rid of? You try to make those small incremental improvements and then hope along the way that you run into somebody like Harris did in San Francisco with Lamont Wade. All of a sudden, he was just a kind of an okay guy, and all of a sudden, he jumped up and, and had a couple solid years. And the only way you find those guys is by being through a bunch of them. You can't just take one or two. You've got to take, in a given offseason, probably a half a dozen of those guys just to find one that might help. So it's yeah. okay to get those guys. Nothing exciting, though. Yeah, if I could throw some numbers at you, Nevin last year with the Baltimore at 197, 11% walk rate, 25% strikeout rate in 58 games, and also played 44 games in AAA and hit seven home runs, 21 walks and 26 strikeouts. So like Chris said, he was the 38th pick in the, I think it was the 2018 draft, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds right. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm a little more excited than most just because – I think we could give him a chance to see what he can do. But, yeah, basically just backing off what you guys said, it's just another option, and he's going to be given a chance to see what he can do. And, Connor, what about you? I mean, in terms of would you like to see this be a like a, a committee of a sort, or would you like to see a definitive answer like, for example, Brian Anderson as a placeholder? Yeah, I think the easy answer is, of course, you want to see a definitive answer. I wouldn't say Brian Anderson really is the answer, though. Looking at some of his numbers, you got for league average line drive rate is 21%. He sits about 18.5%. And he also had a 50.4 ground ball rate. So I don't really know if that's really the type of hitter that the Tigers are looking for. Like you, you watched a lot of the games last year, and how many times did A.J. Hinge post game say, hey, we're hitting too many balls on the ground. So I, I wouldn't really say that. I think maybe mid-season you say, okay, we need to know our answer or we're just going to go to Malloy here. So I think we could see a lot of scope there. We could see some Kreidler. We could see Nevin. You could see Ibanez. But for the most part, I think they're just hoping that Malloy really develops to be the player he is. You, know, you, make, you make a good point about what Hinch said about that with the ground balls because one of the things that – Every day when we went down in the dugout, when we were talking about that, it was especially with guys like Spencer Tolkelson, rounder short, rounder short. And it wasn't a lot of air on some of the looks. Just it seemed even lift was, it wasn't even there in certain cases. So the reason why I think, like, even a guy like the reason why I mentioned Brian Anderson is because that's some name that's out there. But if he hasn't been signed by now, then you have to have have to have kind of going well. There's probably a good reason why. But the, the one name that's out there that I was interested that and Mike mentioned him in his article is Profar. And and Profar has like you look at some of his numbers in terms of and one of the things he would be benefited by the shift. With no shift, he batted 303 and he had an OPS of 838. When he had the shift, it was 643 OPS and a batting average of 210. So that's a guy who I think, I mean, if you're going to look at it, and this is him as a left-handed bat, but I still think of, I know the outfield right now, you have four guys out there, you have Meadows, you have Dew, you have Green, and you have, why am I drawing a blank all of a sudden? Carpenter. Carpenter. You have Carpenter out there. But Connor, I'll, I'll start with you about this. What about, do you think it's necessary for Detroit to even go after like a, a veteran outfielder out there? Because again, it's no sure thing that, Badu's going to come in and hit like he did when he first started. And that kind of worries me again, because I, I feel like having too much pressure, like the same thing with Torkelson, having 
somebody out there just to get the reps and it's just going to be a longer season. Yeah, I think if you look at our minor league system, you see a very large influx of infielders. And not that that's a bad thing. I think looking at the outfield, we don't really have anyone to look forward to besides maybe a Parker Meadows. But again, he's a left-handed batter. And even further down the line, you have Roberto Campos. But even then, he's in between, maybe good, maybe not. So I think if you want to look at three candidates in the outfield, you could say Andrew McCutcheon. You could say Tommy Pham. You could even say Adam Duvall. Each one of those guys have a proven track record. I don't necessarily think Duvall is a fit just because he's a large fly ball hitter. Just last year alone, he had a 52.1% fly ball rate. And really in Comerica, we've seen that the fly balls don't really do much. So you really need to look at guys that have high line drive rates. And even as a team, you need to shoot for line drive rates, especially if you're going to keep the dimensions the same at Comerica. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought last year was so strange. We've talked about this, that the dimensions were such an issue all of a sudden out of nowhere when it was the same exact team the year before that actually put up a decent offense. And so, no, but it, it was just amazing. How, oh, we need to move the fences and we need to move the fences in. And I thought that was the whole exercise and it was taught at ad nauseum about that. So, but in, in terms of gentlemen, in ter- the rest of you guys, in terms of out the, in terms of the, there, there, there's, a, I was waiting for that, the, the Miguel situation. And I think, again, I think his contract is not the problem. Well, it is somewhat the problem, but they they shed how much money, Chris? How much what was it? Well, yeah, so basically by not signing Candelario and the Castros and Funkhauser and trading away Jimenez, I think they saved about $15 million this year, and then they went and saved about $18 million. So the the payroll just on that regard went up about $3 million. Not, And then there are a couple other guys who got raises in arbitration. But no, I mean that—that's they might give you that excuse, but they're they're a hundred million dollars below the competitive tax threshold. <laughs> like they could spend a lot of money and not have to worry about it. It's they're choosing not to for either for long-term planning purposes or because Chris Illich doesn't want to have a higher payroll, which is it's his prerogative. But it's going to be really hard for the Tigers to compete and for fans to care when you're not going to spend any money. And I don't I don't think Cabrera's contract has much to do with that at all. I mean. It's gone after next year. You invest when you can. And, and this is Yoop's thing, right? You sign sign good players when you when they're available and worry about the future later. Yes, exactly. If you want to win. If they want to keep this rebuild going, call it that. That's that's the choice they're gonna to have to make. But yes, Miguel Cabrera's contract is not has not prevented them from doing anything this offseason. That is a canard. It's just not true. I refuse to believe it. It's a big contract, sure. But where they stand in payroll, they could have legitimately competed for almost any free agent on the market this year. They chose not to do it. It takes two to tango. We know that. They may not have wanted to come to Detroit, but if you're not trying, you're never going to get them. Yeah. Connor, if I could ask you a question. We had a debate on, on last week's show or two weeks ago about like what the Tigers are doing and do we agree with them not spending money? Where do you stand on that? Are you happy with the way they've the lack of moves, do you think they're and you're smart in what they're doing? How do you look at that? So I look at it as half and half. I mean, obviously you could go get some big players, some big bats, but does that really solve the problem? I mean, I think the problem that, that really got us here to this point is spending money on big contracts like Upton, Zimmerman, 
and I think you definitely need your stars on your teams. But again, I think we still need to see what we have. I think Harris wants to see what do we have with our new coaching staff? What do we have with our new front office? I mean, there's so many more resources that we're giving players now that I, I think that's just, it's going to be somewhat of a competitive advantage. I don't think a lot of players in free agency realize that yet. So I think if we could show a lot of improvement, signs of development, maybe like a 2010 year where you're just 81 and 81 and but you have some studs like Austin Jackson, Brennan Bosch, like some of these up and coming players coming up proving, hey, we can perform here. So I think I I would say, of course, who doesn't want to spend money on the big free agents, but it doesn't really solve anything in the long term. And I think there's some interesting prospects on the way that can definitely help out this team going forward. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up, Connor, because one of the things that I, and after that conversation we had and for the Christmas show, one of the things that I started thinking about was, and, and John, I'm glad you bring this up because I look at, the fact that here we are, we looked at the Tiger Minor League Top 25, and, and we're going to be doing something for that for the Tiger Minor League Report next week. Connor's going to be joining us because he had his Top 25, and I really was in line with a lot of ours. But it, I look at guys like – like I'm, I'm excited to see what they have with Andre Lipsius, and I know I've, I've been with the, the, with the beating on the drum on that, but it's really – what you're going to see, I think the big year, the, the big team to watch out for is Erie again. And I say that because if they start – with if you start Colt Keith in Erie, and then there's a good chance that Pacheco might start in Erie, or uh, Pacheco might be in West Michigan for like a minute and then go to Erie, but that Erie roster is going to be very good. And I think it because if you look at the fact that here you are with there so far, I mean, as far as a veteran goes, you probably end up going to Toledo at some point. You have Winsiel Perez might spend some time in Erie. I don't know if he's going to start in Toledo, but maybe he'll just start in. And Erie, just because I feel like that's going to be a natural progression because, again, he's just going on his back. He's been taking some reps here. So I saw one of the Tiger prospects, I think it was Raylan Perez on Instagram, had him taking some at-bats. But I don't know. Like, I just feel like Toledo has a young crop of talent that's going to be, in terms of even their pitching staff, is a team that we'll look out for. What are you going to say, Chris? Nothing. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. You had the – like that. Oh, okay. But, no, I think even like – like, talking face on – Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even like I know a guy like I'm more interested to see guys like Danny Soretti. The reason why I want to see what Danny Soretti is is that is he a real deal? Is he? I mean, he came up. We what we saw last year was unheard of across the system. You don't see a guy jumping up three levels. The, the Tigers have been very conservative, and and it, I thought about this. They're, the question is, well, Roger, they maybe they didn't want to call guys before. They were too hesitant. And we heard about that. But they a lot of guys forced the issue last year, which is something that we, have not, we haven't seen. And so I agree with Connor on that. That's what makes it exciting. We've actually seen some sort of development. Let's say they went out and signed a really good shortstop oh. from this year's class. Let's say they got – Named Xander Bogarts, just for fun. How do and we're waiting on these prospects. How does signing Xander Bogarts affect the fact that we're waiting on these prospects to see what they are? What what what? I don't understand what the difference is. You know what I'm saying? Because you have a player like Xander Bogarts in place 
these prospects are going to be progressing or not progressing, no matter if he's there or not. And if they're good enough, they'll find a place for them to play. Because what, what I try to get at is this. Everybody's saying next year's free agent class stinks, right? So if some of these prospects have moved forward and look like <clears throat> ball players, and now you say, well, now we want to go out and sign some free agents to pair with them. Well, the next year's class stinks by everybody's estimation. This year you had players there and you had money to spend and they chose not to. So that's, I guess, yeah, I know it sounds dickish half the time when I talk like that, but I just don't, I don't understand the idea of sitting out when competing for talent. So I don't know. That's just where I stand. Yeah. And this is, this so, is oh, go ahead. sorry, Connor, I just want to say this is to me, this is the, the point where if you're going to sign somebody, then sign the big ticket guys who are going to be contributing in four or five years. I don't see the point of signing a one-year stopgap if you do care about these prospects at all because you, then you really are just taking playing time from the guys that you want to find out about eventually. If it's you great. don't believe in them, then then replace them. But if you believe in them, then give them time. Otherwise, yeah, sign, sign, sign the big ticket guys and worry about what to do with your prospects later. So, yeah, I was just going to add to Uper's point. Y yes, next year's free agent class is not looking too good, especially now that Devers has got that 11-year deal with Boston. But I think what makes a poor free agent class makes an excellent trading class. So now that you have so many prospects, now we can make some of these deals if we want to. And if someone needs an infielder, we've got it in our minor league system. If someone needs a pitcher, we've got it. So I think like this year, Great free agent class, terrible trading market. So it just kind of flip-flops year in, year out. So you just have to look at it that way. And I think I can trust Harris's creativity to make some deals. Yeah, like look at a guy like Austin Meadows. If he bounces back this year, he could be a, a big trade piece. Guys like Matt Manning. I, yeah, I definitely would agree with that. I think the Tigers are going to have some pieces that could be interesting next offseason. And I get your point too, Youper. I just think – they just want to see what they have. They want to see that they have a core in place that could compete. Because for me, I think I think you spend money when you have a, a team that's proven to be able to win. If the Tigers would have went 81 and 81 last year, then I think they would have been spending money this offseason. But because they only won 66 games, I think they need to, to find out what they realistically have with this roster before they start throwing money at free agents. So I think – oh, go ahead, John. Sorry. No, that's all. That's all I had. I was gonna say, and I think Harrison says it pretty well in here in the YouTube <clears> chat. <throat> they're trying to get these guys, but they're choosing to go elsewhere. Detroit, honestly, is not a destination currently. Building the structure will make a destination place in the next few years. I think that's the more realistic way it's going to go about it. And the development of the pitching staff, and that's where I want to head into the conversation a little bit about trade pieces. And this is where a situation like what the Mets right now, are, if Correa does sign then therefore you're going to have, like, I brought up on my article and Chris, you brought up, did you bring up Escobar in your article? I believe. I think I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we were talking about the, identifying the Mets before once well, yeah. you did it like the day before Correa signed there. And then I did it after Correa signed there. Yeah. But the Mets have a couple, I mean, they have Mark Vindios. They have a couple, they have Brett Bay. They're like, Hey, why am I? Beatty. Brett Beatty. Beatty. Brett Beatty. Yeah. Look, I don't think they're going to give like in a realistic terms, I'm not sure what they're going to give up, but the fact that the t you, here you are, you have Wilmer Flores in your back pocket, back pocket, who I don't know if you guys saw the video on Twitter and I'll share it in our chat. I'll, I'll, I'll 
chat it down or I'll put the link here in a second. He would, in terms of like his, his changeup, he's developing a changeup that's got some really downward movement where he's getting a snap action down and away. And that's going to be a dangerous pitch for him because his changeup before was just a get me over one, but they've been working on his release point and making it a better pitch. But as far as, and Jack brings up a good question. The Tigers would have to trade prospects, but basically get, they've been unproven. So what value would they get in return? Well, in this case, if it was Avila doing that, I, man, just like, but look, I, I, the bottom line is with Scott Harris, the trade they got for Jimenez, I thought was a good example of, they got the, they got a really good prospect out of that trade. Mm-hmm. I don't think Avila would have been able to do, I think, and there's been, I've been hearing this too, that Avila asked a, for a lot and teams like, uh, no. <laughs> and who knows what they're in terms of guys that could have contributed. I mean, I think the, the Diamondbacks deal probably scared the crap out of them enough to where they're gonna he he bought basically a bag of junk. And so maybe he didn't want that to happen to him again. I don't know. I'll, we'll never know. But that being said, I think right now the Tigers are creating prospects in terms of pitching. I think that that's a strength for the first time. We can say that for the first time in, I mean, all your life and definitely you two lifetimes. But I, I know that that's not been a source of strength before. Yeah. The, and one thing I just want to, I wanted to go back a little bit about Detroit not being a destination. I, I think that's on the surface. That's true. I don't think people are dying to come play for the Tigers when they suck. But all it takes is one or two big contracts, and suddenly it's a destination. I, I don't think people are dying to go to Arlington, Texas. But they spent $600 million on Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, and in the next year they get Jacob DeGrom. It's like if you spend a ton of money, people are like, all right, I'll go there. I'll play with those guys. So I think it's, it's, a, it's true, but it also doesn't have to be true. Now to the pitching, yes, the Tigers have a lot of interesting arms this year heading, heading into next season. And what's really odd is I think you can go back like 16 months – and I think I was talking about how they didn't have any arms. Like, ah, they don't really have any pitching at all. And they went and they drafted a whole bunch of pitching. And then Wilmer Flores came from out of nowhere. And they continued to develop guys like Garrett Hill and Bo Brisky and, and Reese Olsen. And suddenly, they Joey Wentz became a viable big league starter. Like, they did a great job with the pitching development last year. So, yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it a bunch. Like, <laughs> it was a really great year for development. It just, for Alavila, it was about three years too late. <laughs> yes. So that being said, I wanted to speak. So you talked about some realistic trade ideas and, and I want you to throw it to us. And, and what, what are a few examples of that, that you think that would work out for the Tigers? Yeah. So there's about four different outfielders I had in mind. And so basically I, I went out of Pangrass and went through a series of filters that I set that the Tigers front office may choose to construct their offensive identity so I picked outfielders that are right-handed or switch hitters. They have to be about 24 years old or younger. They had to have at least 250 at bats, a walk rate of 9% or higher, and a walk rate of 24% or below. So I put these four players on team are in contention or trying to get contention, or maybe they've you know, they're on rosters where so to speak, needed for them to play at that specific team. So the first guy I have is Ray Barosa. He's a fielder with Arizona, switch hitter. He's got a nice swing from the left side. I could only find video from the left side in terms of his goal. 
or is way. All right, Connor, there's your, there's an issue with your audio. Your mic's kind of cutting in and out, so. so you... Let me think about that. All right, yeah. So Did you, uh, you might have to repeat that whole thing there. Yeah, he said I, I, I had the list. Right here, he said I pulled that. Well, he gets that going. I'll... I think he said Johnny Ponderosa. Johnny Ponderosa, <laughs> I believe, was the name. That sounds like an '80s movie. Johnny Ponderosa. All right, you want to try that again, Connor? Oh, no, it's okay. Oh, oh wait, wait. Hold on. I, oh, there we go. I, I mean, eh. His mic's not connected right now. So oh, until he gets his out. Muted. There we oh, go. Oh, there you go. Now, now you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't know how I got muted there. No, that, so, was, that was me. That was me because it was the feedback was getting to my end. So that was my bad. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so I have Jorge Barosa. He's a uh, outfielder on the 40-man roster for Arizona right now. Switch hitter. He's got a good-looking swing, at least from the left side. I couldn't really find any video from the right side. It almost looks like Rafael Devers. He starts with the open setup, hands held high, gets really loaded in that backside. It's it's just a whippy swing. Reports on him is there's not too much power, but he had a really nice power increase last year where he saw 48 extra base hits. He's got great speed, 26 stolen bases. But what I love, too, is the balance between his walks and his strikeouts. You have 12% walk rate, a 15.4% strikeout rate. He's he's a good-looking hitter, and with the outfielders that they have, they have Carroll, Thomas, Gurriel, Lewis, McCarthy, and Pavin Smith on their 40-man. There's really not a spot with him. So I think there's a realistic trade with, with them that we could work out. That's yet to be seen. So, I don't know. Do you I, guys have so, yeah, so, yeah, for this, here, well, John, I'll let you uh, kick it off there. What, but on Jose Barosa? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at him on MLB Pipeline, which I know you guys aren't the biggest fans of, but 21 years old, was signed in 2017, has decent grades, had, had a good season in AA this year. OPS was over 800 in terms of 65 walks to 80 strikeouts. And I don't know what Arizona would – typically be looking for I, we're not really sure if they're trying to compete next year so maybe they it would just be like a prospect for prospect type of deal I don't know how much the Tigers would really want to give up for for a player like Barossa but I, yeah I definitely think that's an interesting possibility he's a switch hitter um, his ETA on this says 2023 so maybe he could be a guy that fills in if an Akil Badu or Kerry Carpenter struggles so yeah I definitely think that that's a, a pretty good option. I, the first thing that popped to mind is something exactly what Connor said, that their system is so loaded with outfielders that they have the surplus to shop around. So if, if Scott Harris, having previously been in the same division, I don't know if that means he has more knowledge of the Diamondback system than others. I wouldn't know for sure. But if that's the player, they, despite the power, that's probably not a bad target because you would think given the top-notch high outfield prospects they have, who are in the majors now? That's somebody they could look to move. Yeah, here's a, here's him swinging from the from the left side. But I just wanted to show an example of what his swing looks like. He's a short guy. He's only five nine. That's Corbin Carroll, right? Oh no! Oh sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> we'll take it, him it, too. It, 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 yeah, I wouldn't mind him. Man. Yeah, we'll I wouldn't mind Corbin him either. Carroll all day long. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's my bad. I was just gonna say, wow. All right, I'm a jackass. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, that's not right. Okay. I believe um, there, there, there's a link on the document I sent you. Oh, yes, yes there is. Yes, there is. I'm going to pull that 
All right. The, so, I, Chris, I, what are you going to say? Well, he's an interesting, definitely an interesting player. The, the one thing <clears throat> I would caution against is is that Arizona's double-A team plays in Amarillo, which is a very, very hitter-friendly, power-friendly ballpark. So the power numbers are probably exaggerated. But everything else looks pretty good, right? The speed, the, the contact ability, the control of the strike zone. Maybe he can grow into some more power. I, I don't know if you're looking at a fourth outfielder or, I mean, the Tigers, they could use whatever they can get right now. So, yeah, maybe, I, I, I mean, he's intriguing for sure. I like the, the mix of stuff. I just, I don't know if the power would ever be there for him to be an everyday outfielder. But you never know. Power's always the last thing to come, right? Yeah, definitely. We've seen that before numerous times with a couple of, the, especially with somebody like Carpenter, who had power, but not in a consistent basis. So this is him. This is Barroso. So I wasn't too far off in terms of him being short, though. Yeah. Well, you had the right. Yeah, Corporal Caro is not a big guy either. But uh, yeah. But here's is the he a, here. Is he a corner outfielder or is he a center fielder? He's a center fielder, but you can okay. you can move him around. I, again, yeah, the, I do like the idea of somebody like this because this is a guy who could potentially the Tigers. You something that Connor mentioned in the Tigers don't really have a lot of power outfielders right now in their system outside of us have Meadows, Parker Meadows. That's really about it. Campos is going to be a, a work in progress because he's still trying to work on elevating the ball. Like last year, he, he was hitting the ball very hard, but it's always on the ground. So this year, I think he's going to, you're going to start seeing more balls in the air with him. But beyond that, I mean, Manuel Sequeira, who was, an, who was an infielder. I mean, it had 19 home runs, but everybody else across the system, it was bleak when it comes to outfield power. So I like this idea a lot because it does give, fill a void. So, yeah, and if he can play center, that's like yeah, that's what you want in a in a fourth outfielder. And you you give him you can put him in center, you put him in the corners when you need switch hitter. Everything else looks good. So I mean, I I would not be upset if they acquired him. I just I don't know exactly what the price would be. Yeah, so I actually just looked on. So there's this website called MLB Trade Simulator. It's values of players. So his value is about 1.7. I don't really know how they come up with that value. I'm assuming it it comes with prospect status and maybe some of the numbers you put up in the minor leagues. So I would say maybe like a guy like Gage Workman, who doesn't really fit with us anymore, I would say left side infielder. You could probably move him around, but I, I think maybe going to another team with new ideas, maybe even a better friendly hitter ballpark, would help him out. Back to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Youper, by uh, the way, you got a compliment on your hat, by the way. <laughs> oh, very good. Yes. Uh, uh, Connor, how is that? Was it Barreo, right? Barossa. Barossa. Yeah, Barossa. How is he defensively? Because I feel like that is it's important in a park like America Park. Yeah, so the ratings are really good on his defense. He's got a couple of videos I saw on Twitter of him making some awesome catches, especially running to the gap, to left center gap from center field. With speed, that's always a plus, but we know that speed doesn't always equate to good outfield jumps. So I think it all depends on his arm, too. I mean, realistically, I think we'd love a outfielder like Austin Jackson again. Great range, great arm, but we haven't really seen that in a while, so... Okay. And so the next guy you have up, and this is a outfielder from Baltimore. Talk about a 23-year-old Hudson Haskin. Ah. Yeah, so Hudson Haskin is another interesting player. He's a right-handed hitter. 
he strikes out a little bit more than some of the other prospects I have listed, but he's got excellent power. His Woba last year was 364, which is about 24% above average. So that's that's an excellent sign. He's got a funky swing. It looks like Paredes, the way he really crouches down in his load, but I like how athletic he is, and he has a very high torque lower half. He, he doesn't really steal a lot of bases, but this, the, the scouts say that he has good speed. So he's another guy because the Orioles, they're really crowded in their outfield as well, not even just at the major league level with Mullins, Hayes, Stowers, and Santander. I mean, you guys, have you, they have prospects like Kowser. I believe you say it's Kajerstad, I want to say. Rhodes and Beavers. Your stead. So, yep. Yeah. So I, I, I think he's a, another tradable piece that, that probably just won't make their roster. He's 23 years old and his ETA is around 2023, 2024. So I, I think he's another interesting player. Yeah. And I noticed on his swing, too, he has a lot of that torque. I was going to say, it looks like he's putting a lot of torque into this hip. Almost like he has, he wants to turn his back to it a little bit, but. I did like how he was able to use that and to generate. I mean, his frame doesn't seem like he has a he's a big guy either. But I mean, that was a, to hit that out in Erie too. That's that's saying something too because that's not an easy place to hit in center field. Mm-hmm. I think we may have seen Hudson Haskin for Bowie when we were out in Erie. Yes, I actually have. I have. I have a, a nerdy, funny Hudson Haskin story. If anybody wants to hear it, please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so that was the twenty twenty draft. I think he, he was in, and I was part of. Prospects Live did their mock draft that year, and I was I was part of the Tigers team along with Keenan and Jay Markle and and I don't know if Jake was with us or not, but it was was my pick. We we did like the first three rounds. It was like the eighty seventh pick or something like that, and I, I really wanted Hudson Haskin. I believe he's from Tulane, right? But Jay Markle was very much into a center fielder from Western Michigan. Blake Dunn is that his name? I think it was. It's so I didn't want to make Jay feel bad <laughs> by taking a different center fielder. So I, I, I said, ah, you know what? I'll just take Ricky T, who actually didn't get drafted until the next year and is now like a top 30 prospect in baseball. So I feel okay about that. But I still liked Hudson Haskins. And then he went one pick before Dylan Dingler, I think. Maybe two picks before Dingler in the, in the draft. I was like, wow, that's a lot higher than I expected. I would have I really cleaned up there, getting him like 80th instead of 35th. But that's my nerdy Hudson Haskins story. I always like – it's pretty rare to find toolsy college outfielders that still have some projection. It's like the George Springer profile. And, and that's what I was saying, like Haskin, the, the knock at him was his funky swing that people didn't know if it was going to work. And so far, so good. He's not tearing it up, but he's held his own. And yeah, I remember thinking like, this is a 2020 guy down the road who could play center field. So uh, I would not be upset with, with that at all. And we saw him in person. I don't remember him popping, you know, particularly, but we weren't paying, to be fair, we weren't paying a ton of attention to Bowie. We were mostly watching Erie. Yeah. One comparison I saw was Hunter Pence with that, the swing he had. Funky but... swing, yeah. Yeah, he just turned 24 on December 31st. And yeah, last year had 22 stolen bases, which could be intriguing. 101 strikeouts to 43 walks in 2022. But yeah, definitely a right-handed bat and like already 24 years old. So I don't really know if he's going to get that much time to prove himself in Baltimore. So that that's definitely a really intriguing option as well. Yeah, he'd so, have to be added to the 40-man after this season, right? Yeah. Traffic, yep, so. Here's here's one guy that so here's the next one that Connor has and and this is the one one of the the one that I was looking at this was pro- probably my personal favorite so Connor you want to go ahead and talk about the Cubs prospect 
Yeah, so this is Jonathan Perlaza. He's a guy that really fell off the prospect status over the years. He was a shortstop before, middle infielder. He's a switch hitter. He's, he's a really big guy, gained some big muscle over the last years. So they moved him out in the outfield, and the results have been really surprising the last two years. He's, he's starting to hit the ball with more power. He still steals bags. Um, I don't really know what his defense is like, but, man, he's got a hell of a swing, really shoots a gap-to-gap from both sides. So I think he's a very interesting prospect. And, again, another guy that won't cost much because he's not on the 40-man and he's also 24 years old, not playing past double-A. Or, yeah, he's he's been in double-A but not in triple-A yet. I like how you fought that off. For whatever reason, I apologize for the first replay. For anybody who's watching on YouTube, the – for whatever reason, it kept freezing up when they went to hit it on the right side. But uh, I like the way he fought that swing off here on, on the when he was batting from the left side. I thought that was interesting. He does seem a little – I like his upper body strength. He, out of all of them you've shown so far, that was the one that seemed to have the more mass, if you will. Was that – did you identify him as a potential Rule 5 guy, Roger? I remember you were looking at the Cubs pretty yes. closely. And it, was yes. Yeah, okay. That's why yeah, – I, I, <laughs> yeah. No, I remember yeah. He, he definitely seemed interesting. That's a, That's a good call. Yeah, I mean, having a 13.2% walk rate is excellent at any level. So with the extra base power and the on-base skills, I think it's a it's a good player to look at. And if they're not looking at him now, they they probably will be soon after this video. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, we got to no. kind of pull. Yeah, and the reason why he was, a, to me, I thought that stood out and why I thought the Tigers should pick him as a Rule 5 is because he's a guy they could probably put on the bench – and use him as in a switch hitting situation, and based off his uh, ability in terms of outfield, the only thing I want I watched a little bit on MLB or MILB TV a little bit, but he seemed seemed fine. So from what I remember, and I thought that based off what the Tigers have right now in their system, he would probably be a significant upgrade. And this is before the the trade from Alloy. So, all right, moving on, and now we go to the Dodgers, who by the way got raided. The Dodgers got raided. During the Rule Five, they oh it, Dodgers, and I think it was the Yankees too. I think the Yankees got picked off pretty cleanly, but the Dodgers. It always happens in the last couple of years. Everybody loves Dodgers. So this guy Johnny DeLuca, tell us a little bit more about Johnny DeLuca. Yeah, okay. so this is another bat first prospect, but man, he's he's got a great swing. I, I love his setup. It's it's very athletic, very fluid. He's twenty four years old. He just got added onto the forty man roster, and for good reason. I mean, the guy doesn't strike out a lot, about a 16.6% strikeout rate with a 10.2% walk rate. He had 52 extra base hits, 17 steals. He does a little bit of everything. And, and the Dodgers, they've lost a lot of outfielders the last few years with Bellinger, Pollock, Peterson, Gallo, all the free agency. But, man, they, they still have a ton of outfielders on their 40-man with Betts, Taylor, Outman, Vargas. Pajes is not on it. I don't believe, but he will be soon. And then you got Trace Thompson and also possibly Jason Hayward. So he's in the back end, but he's got a very whippy swing. So I, I think with the with the plate discipline and the gap-to-gap power, he's probably the most intriguing prospect in my mind. And Walter asked about any, on the Pirates of Ill. The Pirates are looking for pitching. I know that for a fact because that was one of the things for the Reynolds trade, that they want some frontline pitching which, again, there's somebody even on Twitter suggesting, well, oh, the Tigers? No. Uh, 
I don't know. I just I, I would think like that would like if, unless you put him in a in a corner spot, what are you gonna do with right? I mean, with Green out there, but I digress. Um, but thoughts, gentlemen. Anybody have any thoughts on Kike, Kike Hernandez? That's who Swing reminded me of. That's a good call. I like that. Well, Senna, I, I like uh, the idea of, of of dipping into the Dodgers organization because we know they develop ball players. Also, the fact that they are a bona fide contender, so. They're, they're more likely, I think, to possibly move a guy like this if they're looking for someone to finish off their major league roster. So whether it's now or uh, at a trade deadline, like if they need a bullpen guy and Greg Soto is pitching well, can you get Johnny DeLuca on another piece for someone like that? That makes, that makes some sense. Because you know, one thing I was thinking, I like the idea of the, of the Hudson Haskin too for Baltimore, but really I think what happens there is they have to make some kind of Cinderella running a wild card and then hope to add some pieces in July. And then maybe you can get a guy like Hudson Haskins. And that wish would be great. I just don't know if in the offseason they're going to look to move him. But the Dodgers, definitely. If they want Soto now, you could start with DeLuca and a couple other guys and see what you got. The, the I, one... I, Go ahead, Chris. Well, I, was just, I, I remember DeLuca from terrorizing the Whitecaps. He was with the Loons. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had three home runs in the first three games of the season, including two in one game. It was like right when Parker Meadows was popping off, too. And it was like, oh, Parker Meadows home run, Parker Meadows home run, Johnny DeLuca home run, Johnny DeLuca home run. <laughs> he yeah. homed off Dylan Smith and Ty Madden in back-to-back games and also Jack O'Loughlin. But, yeah, I remember thinking, like, ah, he's just an older guy. Who cares? And then, yeah, he went to double-A and, and improved. So he's definitely another interesting name. And, and the thing is, too, if you look at – the Orioles, too. I mean, outside of James McCann, the Orioles haven't really spent any money either. And they are in a division that is loaded for bear. For I mean, it's just you look at the Yankees, what they've done. The Rays, I mean, they spent the highest expensive contract and, of course, just one pitcher. But still, overall, they've had a quiet offseason. Same as to, to, to a certain extent, I mean, the Jays have spent some money. And, yes, Johnny DeLuca does sound like a legend out of the 30s. Hey, hey, you know, here, here, see, Johnny DeLuca. Waiting for the Yankees. Johnny DeLuca sounds like a Yankee name, doesn't it? Like it just uh, yes. pulls off the tongue a little bit. But no, Baltimore. It, it, you know what? I'm I'm not surprised Baltimore hasn't done much. I mean, Baltimore has done a really good job of developing, and they might just stay pat and continue to ride the course of what they have. But if they again, they might trade him for another starter. I think because even if you look at their starting rotation, excuse me, you're starting. You're you're led by Kyle Gibson. Ooh, Gibbs, Kyle Gibson. Oh, like it's Mr. 5.05 ERA. I think they're probably hoping that Grayson Rodriguez comes up and, and, and he's going to have some bumps, but they, that looks like a flash is like the future ace that they want. And once that happens, they'll be able to build around him. But yeah, I don't know. Baltimore, I think they came out and said, Michael Elias came out and said, yeah, we're, we're not going to take away from this year or, or take away from the future to benefit this year. It was like, all right, okay. So he's very obviously kicking the can down the road another year or two. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they could definitely use arms. I think I don't think they have a ton of interesting pitching prospects. No, I mean, Dean Creamer, who they got from the Dodgers a few years back. And, and again, the rotation is just, I don't know, like even Kyle Bradish. I mean, is that going to be somebody that is, I, I don't know. I mean, Bradish had a good year last year, but they still need. I still think they need another strikeout guy, at least in my opinion. So, but they did get, they have one of my favorite Cuban pitchers out there in lefty, uh, Senior Perez. Who's, oh, yeah, you know, we saw him in, in Toledo, didn't we? Yeah, doing the rehab. And he looked good. Remember, the, the Mudheads had no chance against him. Yeah, um, lefty, lefty sitting 99, I think. Was like, well, yeah. All right. 
Yeah. Why? Why isn't this guy in the big leagues? Yeah, with with life. I mean, literally everything was just like, like just diving down. So, but no, Connor, this is a really good list. Thank you for bringing that in. We really appreciate yeah. it. And we're gonna have Connor on next. We're gonna be firing up the Tiger Miley Report podcast up again. It's been in the cobwebs now. We haven't done a show since October. But with the top 25, yeah, I know. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, it's nice. off season. No, it's the off season. But, but we're going to have Connor on to talk about his top 25. And we're going to, again, going to have also, well, we have Jerry on. We're going to have some people on there and, and talk some prospects. But that'll be for next week as we try to sort through the, what changes we made to our top 25, explain a little bit more in our tool series that could be starting. So looking forward to that. But other than that, folks, the only other thing I wanted to talk about this evening was so. The World you mentioned the World Baseball Classic. I just started March 6th. It's going through March 6th to March 21st. So the pools, by the way, for anybody that's interested, Pool A is Chinese Pepe, Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, and Canada. And that starts on March 8th to the 13th. And <laughs> this is coming in. There's uh, Pool B, Japan, Korea, Australia, China, Czech Republic. That's in Tokyo. That's just from March 19th. Excuse me, March 9th to the 13th, and Pool C, USA, Mexico, Colombia, Canada, Great Britain. Good luck, Brits. They need it. And Phoenix starts on uh, March 11th to the 15th, and Pool D, which is in Miami, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Israel, and Cuba. Yeah, surprised Cuba's not in Pool D, but then again, I thought about Miami, and then there's still a lot of velocity, so maybe that's probably why. But Raj, where did you say they're playing Pool A? Taiwan. Nice. Here's my favorite thing of the World Baseball Classic. I absolutely love it every four years. I love getting up, and a game is on at 5 in the morning. Yes. And and the crowd is going crazy. I love that week of baseball. I, I don't get up at 5 a.m. for many reasons, but that is one I, I really enjoy every year when they do it. Yeah, that was that was one of the few benefits of the early early COVID year where they were still playing in Korea, I think, right? Yeah. And so you yeah. can get up early in the morning, and there's a Korean game going on. You're like, hey, all right, baseball. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, I mean, that's just. U.S. going to win? Who was that? Is the U.S. going to win World Baseball Classic? I honestly don't know. I mean, I, if Cuban, Cuba's roster is going to. Cuban, so the Cuban roster is not going to be the same. I think Japan, so I think Japan's a really good chance to win. And really, are. Puerto Rico, I think Puerto Rico is going to have a good showing. Canada, I'm not going to. Pool C, but I mean, still, I don't know. We'll have to talk World Baseball Classic another time. But anything else this evening? Like, you know, we forgot to ask for questions, and normally we do, and that's that's on me. I was so excited about our guests that I totally forgot. Both our guests, really. So oh, yeah, they can um, just drop them in the chat. Yeah, if you guys have chat, if you have questions in the chat, there were some in there. Yeah, yeah, we had some. Yeah, we had some earlier that we've been answering here and there. But uh, if you have more questions before we get out of here, let us know. And I'm trying to think of anything else we wanted to wrap up with. Yeah. News wise, it's been. Nothing. There's Gene. The Tigers were interested in Gene Segura. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Speculative. And then, yeah, I mean, we. I think you touched on that Devers or Connor mentioned Devers signed with, with Boston, a monster deal. There was that report that uh, one team was watching Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel. I feel like the way he left the Yankees is going to make it really hard for him to find another team. And then you've got the Trevor Bauer situation with the Dodgers. The Dodgers have until tomorrow, I think, to cut him or do whatever, and they they're waiting for the last minute. And people are like, "What's going on?" And so, yeah, there should be some uh, some interesting stuff on the shadier side of baseball in the next few days. <laughs> yeah. Where where do you think he ends up? I mean, does he end up in Me- in the Mexican league or something? Or 
Savannah bananas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I, he may. Oh, yeah, he may may have to go in Mexico or, or somewhere like that. I, I don't know. I mean, like, it's just how cynical can we be about baseball? I feel like if Jeff Lunau were still with the Astros, hey, maybe to Houston. But <laughs> okay, I, I don't know who's coming enough to do it now. Yeah. Oh. No, that's not not in. Well, supposedly, supposedly one more a secret team on Korea. Now that's probably Scott Boris trying to get the Mets to to move. But what what is the, the yeah. what is the Korea injury? Is it was it a knee injury? Or is it leg? Leg. So he, like he had a metal plate placed, I believe, somewhere near his ankle, his right ankle. It's never bothered him or put him on the aisle in his entire career. But this is something long, long-term long teams are, are really worried about. He, I think he mentioned in a game in September he slid into second and he's experienced some numbness or just not even feeling in his leg at all. So something to look at for sure. Yeah, I think when he was in, in the minors, he he broke his ankle and also tore some ligaments. Um, and yeah, like like Hunter said, you know, he's had a bunch of injuries in his career, but never to his ankle again. I don't think. But I'm sure these teams have data and say like this sort of thing causes this down the road. Like maybe there's the preliminary, preliminary like signs of arthritis in his ankle or something like that, and and they don't want to do a ten year deal or twelve year deal or whatever. So he'll eventually sign somewhere. I just, it's, it's a bit sad at this point. Like it's funny, but also sad. Like this dude just wants to play and he wants to play in a big city and like, I don't know. Great He's player. Yeah. 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 And again, Minnesota, I'm surprised that I know Minnesota gave him a deal too, to come back and he, I think, yeah, I, I bet Minnesota would love to have him back. It's, it's, I think he wants to play on one of the coasts or maybe Chicago or whatever, like just in a big, big city. And, and that's why he's holding out here with the Mets, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I don't I mean, know. Go ahead, John. I, well, I, this is just completely off top topic if you want me to just ask it now. Yeah, go ahead. Before we got it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at the free agent class for, from next year because we've been talking about how bad it is. Like pitching wise, there's Julio Urias, Aaron Nola, uh, Shohei Otani, obviously. There's Jack Flaherty, you Darvish. And then offensive wise, there's Ian Happ, Randall Gritchett, Teoscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman. So just a lot of like secondary free agents. I feel like not really any needle movers. I just I was interested, so I just looked it up. There are some there's some opt outs. I'm expecting Manny Machado to opt out of his contract. Javi Baez, maybe uh, possibly if if if, if like, Rodriguez. the shortstop doesn't look great. So if if Baez has a bounce back year, he could opt out. But yeah, I, I'm in favor of giving Machado the same deal the Padres gave him, which is ten years and three hundred million or whatever. Go ahead, because he's he's great he's been a great player for a long time he's a future hall of famer so if you're gonna give a bunch of money to somebody go ahead and do that there's definitely some the pitching options out there like urias is a cy young level pitcher nola so if the tigers were to move some of their pitching they could replenish that next offseason but that that's just off topic that just crossed my mind so i wanted to scratch that itch oh there's always gonna be a few decent players well when he's when he's, i was begging on the market earlier i mean obviously shohei otani is gonna be out there i mean he's gonna get the biggest contract ever if he goes through this season healthy. So there's always some players. I just think next year's, as you're mentioning, especially those bats, a little weaker than most seasons, unless people opt in to it. Yeah, so like I said, I mean, right now, the, the biggest thing is, I, I'll before you, you got, before you go for the evening, I'll just ask you guys this one question. Did the Tigers sign anybody in the next week? 
I say no. No. Connor? Hey. I mean, I would love us to go get Andrew McCutcheon. I think there's still some great game in there, but I highly doubt it. I think he'll try to hold out for a contender at the very least. <clears throat> Uber? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the easy way to say is no. As we get closer to February, though, I mean, there's going to be guys who need jobs. So if teams are patient, maybe you get that's when you get the deal as you get later into the into the winter here. Will they make yeah. a trade the next week or? or I, I I would just say define anybody. I I could see them doing another minor deal, a la Tyler yeah. Evan, but I don't think they're going to sign a, a major league free agent. Yeah, I think it'll probably be a minor deal. But so Connor, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll have you on it's soon. Nice we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to next week. When we'll have you on the minor league podcast side of things. And thanks for everybody for watching us tonight, this evening, and look for our podcast tomorrow. We're going to have so this is going to be split in two. Yeah, this show, and then we're going to have Mike Petrello from MLB.com joining us in the first half of the podcast, so, or first part of the podcast. So we'll be talking some stat cast data and more in terms of shift. So, yes, Tiger sign. And, oh, did they sign? Oh, I thought somebody. No, that's, oh. I think that's Harrison saying that they will. Oh, oh, okay. So that's his conviction. Uh, somehow Uper's on their choice. Uh, I'm back. Go. There we go. But thanks so much for everybody tuning into this evening, and we look forward to talking next week. And if anything happens, of course, breaking news. When it was funny when Uper tagged me on Twitter about the uh, Nevin trade. It was on New Year's Eve. It was New Year's Eve, right? Was it New Year's I think Eve? So, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was. It was funny when they signed. It was right after Michigan lost, and I was at that <laughs> point. My mindset was like, I, I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. But it made up for it when Ohio State lost. To me, that's okay. hitting the yeah. Deal, deal, so. This, right. this. Oop. Go ahead. I just had another off-topic. Just thought. Come on, come on. Come on. All right. What? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. You know how Jeff shaved his head because like Michigan lost. I think we should do something where if like if the Tigers make the playoffs or or we should have some stipulation right. or something. You know what? Okay. If you want to make a stipulation for it, if the Tigers, head. okay, if the Tigers somehow make the postseason, I will shave my head. I'll okay. shave my head too. Roger will swim to Windsor. <laughs> the, the beer is oh, the, the beer oh, that's, that's a very uh, swift river. Yeah, we're all <laughs> we're all shaving our heads. Yeah, we'll shave our heads. But yeah, yeah. by the way, the, yeah, Jeff. Kudos to Jeff. We got the haircut today, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Kudos to him. So I thought he was going bald, bald, but it was just like really short. No, he, he kind of yeah, he kind of went out a little bit, especially because I showed I I was the one that put the picture out of him that I created that picture. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Yeah, it does look like Lex Luthor. Or Vince McMahon. I don't know if you saw that picture. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, on that note, folks, we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.